0: I'm welcoming someone very special to me today, his name is Vincent Bunetel. Vincent is actually the CEO and co-founder of an HR tech company called Boosters. Uh, Vincent actually used to be my boss as I was CMO at this company not so long ago. With Vincent we talked about empowering teams, encouraging risk, trust, uh, and how to foster exceptional leadership and motivation in your team. We talked about how the l system in most companies is broken. We talked about caring and empathy in the workplace. We talked about so many other things. There's, there was a lot of great insights in this conversation. So I'm really glad to share it with you. Uh, his name is Vincent Lebunotel. Welcome Vincent. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us on this uh, new episode of the podcast um big disclaimer to the to the audience i'm actually the uh, you were my my boss in the previous uh previous life i was actually working uh, as a as a cmo in uh, in your company boosters so um, i know a lot about you already i know a lot about what you do but uh, i think it would be great to have a little uh, introduction you know from uh, on your side about uh, what you do at boosters how did you come up with the company where you know kind of your role and uh, and how you see how you see uh, you know yourself uh, uh, your role at the company. Well, first and foremost, uh,
1: thanks a lot, Badis, for having me in this podcast. Uh, I'm really thrilled to be uh, to be there uh, uh, with you. Um, so, he, he, in very short, uh, so I'm effectively uh, Vincent. I'm a husband and father of two. I'm a big uh, rugby lover. And I'm also, uh, as part of an other hat, the CEO and co founder of Boosters. We are an HR tech company. And what we do is to help uh, HR and executive management teams to understand and map all the jobs within their company and understand how those jobs are evolving so that they can take the necessary actions to. uh, offset the, the danger of automation and uh, help their employees anticipate uh, on those uh, changes that occur
0: awesome um, so i i know that you uh, you're um, you're heading a team of uh, about 20 people right now is that uh yeah is that right so actually grew from when i was there so that's uh, that's great news um and uh, you know i i wanted to the first topic that I'd, I'd like to talk about is really the the topic of motivation as a sort of a you know broad topic, uh, but before we dive into this, I think it's uh, we have to address the you know the huge uh, events going on these days about you know with COVID and uh, and remote remote working and this new way of, of working, um, and, and kind of address that from a point of view of motivation. So um, you know how do you keep on motivating your teams um, and how how do you see motivation? Um, in, in these times, like uh, with remote work and uh, all this uncertainty, like how do you place motivation within all this for yourself and your team?
1: I think the situation we all live in just put even more emphasis on, uh, on what's the normality, which means for me to motivate someone, you need to empower them. Uh, if you really want them to be on board, they need to be empowered. This means that you're gonna trust them that they will be doing the right thing. And you will encourage them to take risk as the biggest risk is ultimately not to take any from my perspective. So you need to make sure that you put together a framework in your team where people won't be afraid to making mistakes because Mm. first and foremost, we all do. So those who would say that they don't do mistake, it's probably that they they probably are not trying hard enough and they don't get out of their comfort zone. So, Mm. So people need to feel that, they participate to something that's bigger than them so it's a team thing uh but ultimately they play a critical role into it and uh you trust them to to to, to just do the things right and you need to be mm-hmm. there for them when they need it but you don't need to micromanage mm-hmm.
0: so basically uh making them feel part of a of a sort of bigger vision uh, and just enabling enabling them to to do their own thing and be creative and uh, and and have mistakes. So how how so how do you embark them in this vision? Because it's a it's a very uh, it's a very big topic within the startup world. Uh, mostly about you know not not just the startup world, but uh, uh, you know we all have this thing about the vision, the vision, and it's it's actually a key part of the of uh, of building a company. And you need to have uh, you know people that share that vision in order to 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 really make something happen. But how do you uh, on a day-to-day basis, like how do you cultivate this? How do you how do you translate this vision into something real in the in the company in the day-to-day life? So a
1: vision is usually something I mean that should be big, uh, that should be highly ambitious, and because it's big and ambitious, it's not something short-term. It's something long-term, and it's like looking at a mountain. If you just think it through, okay, uh, we need to be up the mountain is gonna be discouraging and feel like very discouraging. So you need to make sure that this long term vision is broken down into some uh, short and medium term pieces that looking separately seems pretty simple and simplistic sometimes. But when you put all the pieces of the puzzle together, they kind of show you the way as as to how you're gonna reach it. And I think this is really about making sure that from a big thing, you can uh, decline it into uh, smaller pieces and, mm-hmm. and that those smaller pieces, you find someone who will be accountable for that because the mm-hmm. notion of accountability for me is, is really key into, uh, into the process as well. And then of course, I mean, some initiatives will succeed, some won't. And it's just a matter then of uh, reassessing uh, the, the, the roadmap. But mm-hmm. that's kind of how you, you embark people and you need to make them as well accountable in the sense that the one who takes charge for a project has to report to all the team for that project as well so that's i mean he can uh, he can really has the the the, far, the fatherhood or the motherhood of the of that project mm-hmm.
0: and do, do you guys use um any any metrics or any way to measure that uh, that you know the some companies have because i, I was actually just talking to um To the head of marketing at a at another company and they have this one metric they're just uh you know uh, base everything on basically uh, and that's where they start all their their meetings and uh, that's how basically they kind of uh, you know direct everything they do uh do you guys use metrics and what kind of metrics do you use and uh, is it something you you like using or you know have you tried using it yeah i mean
1: yeah i think you can only uh you can only manage things that you, you monitor. Mm-hmm. And development uh, uh, has its own set of metrics. Okay. Uh, and those metrics are intertwined. So to give you a, a few bunch of examples, but uh, on the sales uh, team, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to be following the number of leads and qualified leads that they generate. And we know that they need to produce a certain number of those leads per month and therefore translated per week to be uh, at par with the uh, overall revenue objective that we set for the year, because we know that a certain number of accounts is go- of prospect is going to translate into a certain number of clients. And so this is those metrics that, that, that we, we follow. And it, it gives us also the pace of uh, the pace and the, the health of the business at a given point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, other example, it's it's the notion of uh, how long it takes to deliver a feature. So we have a roadmap, and uh, we agree on that roadmap. Usually, we have uh, windows of six weeks uh, to produce uh, to produce uh, those uh, those new features, and uh, we we look into uh, into that to make sure that uh, things are being respected uh, into it.
0: Yeah, I uh, yeah I remember the the exactly the the team meetings and you know talking about this like it was a uh, it was definitely something we uh, we we talked about a lot like the the metrics and how we measure them. I mean, from the time I remember, it was a bit over a year ago now. I, I worked at Boosters, so I still have a, a memory of that. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, at some point it's um, it's tricky and uh, it's it's actually very important, but it can be tricky to. Kind of bridge the vision, the global vision for the for the business and what you're trying to do as a startup, and kind of the the day-to-day matrix and uh, everything you you're monitoring uh, on a, on a daily basis. So it's good to I think to build a bridge uh, between those two things, uh, but it needs to yeah it needs to be really uh, you know well designed and um, and kind of adapted to every department and everything. In the case of the company I was just mentioning, actually they have um, so they're basically uh, helping uh elderly people in the uk so they have this um software for for uh elderly people and uh they have this goal of helping uh, a million uh you know people uh in the uk so uh basically they base like all the their um all their work based on that like even like the product teams etc from from what i understood um but yeah so actually it, it uh, it's uh, th- this is the the motivation from uh you know, how to organize mo- uh, motivation from kind of an organizational level, but you as a CEO, um, you know, I, I know how hard it, it is to you know, launch a business and uh, manage it on a day to day basis. Uh, what gets you like motivated? Is it, uh, you know, winning new contracts, uh, you know, growing the team, like what's, what's really driving you? Uh, it's not a coincidence that I'm in a people business. So what
1: motivates me? I mean, it can sound plain vanilla or what, whatever you want, but to the deepest of my heart, this is really the people that surrounds me, that motivates me. That's also why I'm suffering a lot during that uh, confinement period, because I'm a people person. So I like to feel uh, the spirit of the team. I like to chat and interact with people. Not that I cannot do with uh, all those solutions we have, like the one we're currently using uh, without naming any, but that's really what motivates me. seeing them grow so from a people that comes within boosters to uh, really helping that people makes the most out of uh, his or her potential it's something that i love i mean we i really love to 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 transfer knowledge and to to help people uh get confidence in in, in their abilities and this is really uh, what motivates me after i think if you manage to uh, to create that uh to create that uh, positive tension, mm-hmm. only good things can happen. I mean, at least you put the main ingredients, which are the team, uh, to, to make it right and sign contracts, partnerships, uh, mm-hmm. launching, launching products and things like that.
0: That's uh, actually, that's uh, really awesome that you place your own work and your own job and your own purpose as you know, mentoring and growing people within your team and uh, you know i can say that because i was actually working for you so i i i know how genuine you are about this um so yeah it's actually quite uh, it's quite unique uh, because you know a lot of i think startup ceos kind of um, see the the growth of the company as sort of the the obsession and everyone should share that obsession and uh but it's uh i think it, it can create a quite an amazing culture when you we kind of shift the the whole discourse to you know growing people within the company so that eventually something good happens uh, as a you know uh, as a team as a whole and uh yeah i can I can definitely testify that it's uh you're really passionate about- ment- mentoring and growing uh and growing people so um you know uh concretely like uh what what do you do to make that happen like what's uh, uh you know what are the things you're currently you know uh, putting in place I know that with the the lockdown it's not easy because you know we have to deal with all these new uh, these new ways of working together but uh what do you set set in place
1: you know i think it takes one characteristic and that characteristic is uh amplified with this confinement it's empathy so putting yourself in someone else's shoes uh is always something that i spontaneously do and i just feel like it doesn't seem a lot but giving someone a call, just like checking upon them and say, hey, how are you doing? Have you been? What's currently on your mind? How can I help you right now? It doesn't take more than five, 10 minutes. You might say, okay, we don't always have those five, 10 minutes, or it seems like, okay, it's just a break in between two meetings, but it's a time that that can mean a lot for you as an investment, but it's an investment and it's something that's gonna yield into a much higher engagement from uh, from the person that you give that call to. So I think it's very important even more, I mean, knowing your people, uh, relying also on your managers. So I've really made the, uh, the managers in the team aware that they had to be, uh, even more caring in the current circumstances than they, they, are, they already are, and yeah. I mean, needless to say that the people that join boosters are are big carers from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's important, especially that each situation is is different. But uh, we have youngsters uh, who are alone; their family are far away. Yeah. Uh, we have some people, and they live in like small places within Paris uh you, we have some others with uh kids and they need to uh to switch in between uh, looking after the kids and working and uh and, and all that so it's it's again a people thing and it takes for me uh just a little bit of understanding and step back to make sure that everyone's right mm-hmm. and then we're back to the first point i was mentioning you just trust them to to do the right thing uh, you just give them the flexibility as well to, to organize themselves as they believe makes the most sense for them as well. Uh, because you trust that they're going to make the right choice, everyone has particular situations, and if they need to rather work at night than uh, during the day, ultimately, that's fine. Um, so, so that's the other thing, and where we struggled a bit during the first confinement, was to make sure that people would disconnect a bit Mm. which was not that easy uh so reinforcing the fact that it's not because your home is also your office that it means you should never uh unplug uh, actually on the contrary uh and with people who are passionate which is the mm. case for uh at boosters I'm, I'm gifted about that it's not that easy
0: yeah i mean definitely uh and uh I I know that because I'm actually working from home from, it's been a while now and uh, yeah, it's not easy. Um, And it's true that um, I think when you set up a a culture of caring and empathy in the the company, and especially if it derives from the founders. uh, So you guys are four founders uh, and um, I worked with uh, Grégoire and yourself. it's true that uh you know it kind of replicates within the whole uh team and uh, I can I really felt it uh but you know the question i wanted to ask you is also you give a lot of you know empathy you give a lot of time but how do you you know when you're facing a challenge yourself as vincent the ceo uh like where do you find that empathy for yourself like is it something that uh uh you know do you find it in your team and go and replicate the process with them? You know, is there any reciprocity? Uh, and, uh, you know, because I feel like at some point it needs to go both ways, but you know, how, how do you, how do you see that, uh, from, a, from a boss, you know, a boss perspective, uh, do you, do you find it in your team as well that empathy and that, uh, you know, sense of caring?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I think we all have 24 hours a day. Uh, that's probably the only thing for which we're all equal. And, uh, those 24 hours, you can allocate them pretty much as you want. It's like investment. So you're going to place X amount of time, uh, developing, uh, a customer relationship, Y amount of time working on your financials, uh, Z amount of time in interacting with your team and stuff like that. This is like planting a seed. You don't know what's going, what it's going to give you, how that's going to grow, and I think if you give just thinking that you're going to receive back, it's not the right attitude. You need to give without expecting anything in return, because from that moment on, first, you can never be disappointed, and two, you really do it for the right reason. and. For me, I mean, that's a non-negotiable rule and it's paying off all the time. I mean, I have, I mean, I'm gifted to say that the the team now knows me fairly well. They they know when I have my uh, ups and downs. Uh, I sometimes feel like I'm probably pretty good at hiding my downs, but uh, not that well uh, to to some point because they can also decode when, when it's not good and I mean, that's what I love about the the culture we built at uh, at Boosters is we really have people carrying one for the other, and uh, and people do it just spontaneously. I mean, it's just because it's part of our DNA.
0: That's awesome. I actually uh, definitely agree with that, and uh, yeah, I feel like you know when you when you give, you always find someone to help you at some point, and uh, um, it's uh, it's actually a very good. Um, lesson for marketing as well i feel like uh, uh if you want to convince people to join you as a, as a client or uh you know to take action with you and and uh, and buy your product or whatever you can't just ask without giving first and uh, it takes a lot of process it's kind of a, a universal human relationship rule i think and uh but it's not always understood that well and i feel like uh you know some people understand understand it really well yeah you want to say something go
1: ahead no most of the time uh, you actually earn something when you, you don't, you, you expected the least. Yeah. So that's also what's cool about this.
0: Yeah. It's really cool. Definitely. (laughs) Um, so I actually, uh, wanted to talk to you about, uh, about skills and learning. Uh, that's kind of uh, the second topic and I wanted to touch base with you. Um, you guys actually, uh, you know, understand a lot about this because, this is like a key component of your solution what you're what you're selling to to enterprise enterprises um, so you know the uh, but what i'm interested in right now is really the 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 learning process and uh uh and how actually you as uh, as vincent ceo and also you know we can talk about your team but how do you guys learn new things how do you uh, set up time for this um and uh, you know tell me about the learning process at boosters so
1: I can tell you about my learning process and then the learning process at Boosters, but personally, I learn a lot uh, by meeting and exchanging with people. I nourish myself from uh, interacting with people. I mean, just what we're going through, uh, having to think about the question you're asking me, uh, I'm gonna ponder this, and I'm sure I will think it through even after the, the, the recording of the podcast so but but i think interaction is something key into any learning process uh i have one of my co-founder cataline who you know who i love to interact with because he always has some different perspective on things Uh, he has a very strong culture notably around research uh, and this is not something i'm good at uh and and that also teaches me how to to bring other lenses on a, on a given pro- project or, or, or problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on how I learn as well, uh, listening to podcasts is something I do a lot. Uh, and, and again, when I listen to podcasts, it's pretty much to listening to shows where people are going to be sharing about their own experience. So it's again mm-hmm. about meeting and exchanging with people. I'm not so much into uh, going into class or even attending MOOCs. Uh, mm-hmm. That's just not right for me uh it doesn't mean it's uh there's no judgment into that it's just Mm. it's not my way of uh, of working but uh reading is also something key so when i have something and i realize that a good way for me to learn is also to create a content on a topic that i want to learn about Mm. because when you want to know something you're gonna have to be explaining it as well so if you work on being able to to share it with other people then it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be pretty helpful so uh, mm-hmm. uh, as a way we learn for example at boosters we do a lot of uh, exchange uh, we have a program uh, by which uh, someone do over lunch and learn what we call a lunch and learn mm-hmm. uh, is gonna bring food and uh, so we do it virtually right now but the guy is gonna be uh, bringing food and he's gonna be sharing on a topic that he's passionate about. And so everyone's gonna learn from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it can be any topic. Uh, so for example, uh, uh, Brice uh, shared with us uh, uh, what, everything we have to know about basketball. I mean, that can <laughs> sound silly, but it, it's just about being curious and, uh, and knowing about something. Uh, our data scientists uh, they, they explained us all the research and the state of art around automation and RPA, uh, so robotic process automation. Uh, and each and every one is going to be uh, is going to be sharing things. And even when they're being staffed on a mission, they need to report back to the team so that we collectively learn from something that's been acquired uh, individually.
0: Mm-hmm um so you've been actually uh before launching boosters you were actually uh working in a much larger kind of a co- company and a corporate environment uh you know y- you i think you learn differently in 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 companies that are much larger and uh um you know there's a process for it there's an l and d department stuff like that um you know and also you work uh right now as uh you know uh, with boosters you work with uh, large companies that uh, uh you know have these all these L&D programs and uh what what can you tell me about you know this whole um you know the the whole corporate learning um kind of state of the art right now like is it uh what, what is what is happening there i feel like there's a lot of uh, change towards um you know uh, something a lot more personalized uh you know you have a lot of experience in this you're actually uh, a director of innovation uh, in a large uh, U.S. corporation um so what can you tell me about learning in in larger companies right now
1: so uh the short answer i can tell you that this whole lnd thing is broken uh why is it broken because it's it still is a kind of one-size-fits-all meaning there are currently two major type of employees that can benefit from uh from lnd On the one hand, uh, let's say you have the rich ones. So being uh, the top management and the recognized as high potentials, it's about 10, 15% of uh, the entire uh, workforce. And on the other hand, you have the poor, and those are the rest. So there's not going to be any uh, specific individualization of their professional development. On the first category, uh, it's actually pretty cool. And I mean, uh, I, cannot, uh, I cannot deny that I benefited from that uh, in my previous life. It was awesome because I was offered an MBA. I was offered some executive coaching. I mean, really development that uh, helped me a lot mm. uh, and for which I gained, especially on the uh, executive coaching personally. I thought that was uh, very, uh, very profound. Uh, but for the rest today, the problem, and for me, the actor that's going to be able to crack and sell itself as the, the Netflix of L and D, meaning being able to match the content with the right format to the right person. I mean, I, I was again looking recently. Uh, I like to learn about psychology myself, nothing related to, uh, to my work. It's just, I find it uh, very, very interesting. It's, uh, it's fascinating to me. And then you start looking for basics of psychology or any type of course like this. It's not a problem of content. Content exists like there's so many of it, but which one should I pick? Uh, given my context, where should I start? I mean, you have like a list of a hundred uh, different courses. Why why should I psh- choose or pick one over the other? So mm-hmm. this whole notion of uh, of being able to to match a full variety of content with uh, the right use case and person is uh, is critical to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, yeah and. Uh, I like the the Netflix of uh, of L and D, but uh, it would have to be a Netflix with the right format. Because from from my experience, as um, I feel like the you know video based courses are something that you know can can help probably a lot of people. And but it's just I, not the right I format. You. Yeah. I, yeah, I
1: agree with you. I mean, wh- when I meant uh, I said the right format and the right uh, content. I think that an l content is not either a MOOC or uh, a physical, presential presidential uh, course. It can be a podcast, it can be an article, it can be a blog, it can be, uh, mm-hmm. you name it. There's like a tutorial, it can be uh, so many things, a book.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All that should be listed. And I could be able in my profile to say, uh, as I said previously, i really like learning uh listening to podcasts and reading books so the first options if available that would be pushed over to me would be those ones
0: mm-hmm.
1: and i think this is a uh, this is part of, uh, of the future of lnd definitely
0: yeah um i definitely agree and that's actually kind of the center of why we built uh implement so you you know the you know the the company i'm currently uh, managing but uh um no th- thanks uh, for, thanks for the insights it was uh really uh really great i um since you're actually really close to these um to these companies that come to you because they want to better understand their skills and uh kind of how to uh basically you know uh plan their skills and plan all their you know the development of their workforce um what what do you see uh very you know regularly as kind of the skills that people are focused on currently, the, 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 what organizations are, are trying to build and the kind of skills they're trying to build. Like, What are those? Like, uh, do you have any insights on this?
1: It's a really tough question. Uh, it's a really tough question because you're gonna be uh, faced with uh, two dimensions that's gonna give you different answers. Uh, on one axis, you're gonna have the industry that the client is in. And this industry has driving forces that will, uh, that will require different, uh, different adjustment uh, in terms of uh, new skills to acquire or develop. Uh, so it's gonna be different if you're in the uh, insurance or banking sector or if you're in the drilling business, for example. Uh, number two, uh, the, the second axis is within those corporations, which department do you belong to? Uh, and, and there again, it's going to be about the job you currently work on. And for this specific job is what is the trajectory of that job? Is it a job that is in high demand that is in high transformation declining? Because that, I mean, if you're a financial analyst or if you're an accountant, you're in different situation. Uh, one, is a stable job the other one is highly declining and is going to disappear so so the pressure as well to acquire those new set of skills is different so so it's difficult mm-hmm. to to tell you exactly uh, mm-hmm. what companies are
0: are trying yeah. to, to specifically focus on yeah but you but there's a there's definitely a worry about uh you know change and uh, and it's kind of a priority, I, I feel like, you know, from what I, I've seen in working uh, with you guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I feel it's like a
1: single. Th- there's definitely not a single industry that can claim to be uh, out of this game. I mean, every single business is changing by nature. And the pace at which changes occur is like... It's amazingly increasing. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's pretty strong. So mm. it's even it's not like just about the private companies. I mean, the public sector is is highly impacted as well by all those changes. So mm. co- contrary to all the previous industrial revolution, where it was a linear uh, acceleration, uh, here it's exponential.
0: Mm.
1: So that's the big difference. That's really, I mean. It won't take 10 to 20 years before technologies are being rolled out and uh, widely implemented. It's a notion of uh, 18 to 36 months for most of the things. Uh, So so it's, uh, I think we're we're living in an era that's, uh, I mean, of course, there's a lot of things that suck and there's the COVID, there's all that thing. But it's also extremely uh, fascinating, and uh, and I'm glad to be a part of it.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree, and um, uh, I think it's gonna be it's, a, it's actually um, you know it's gonna be a lot of work for for boosters in the future, um, and uh, yeah, I, I I feel like it's um it's definitely something as you said there's there's not one company that is not in in this game, and especially uh large companies but also smaller companies because even as a as a founder of a of a tiny company of two people right now um i can tell you that it's just uh difficult to master everything it's just impossible you need to learn be learning every day everything you know you have to start over things don't work out so you have to work again and learn get out of your comfort zone learn new things all the time and um yeah i feel like learning is is becoming a skill in itself and it, it kind of gets uh makes a difference between very successful and uh, kind of you know highly um, achieving people and and maybe people that have that struggle more uh yeah
1: i, I very much by that
0: i mean uh,
1: learning is the ability that makes you resilient uh so it's uh i mean in today's modern world where the only certainty is that it's just about uncertainty. Uh, if you're unable to learn new things, acquire new skills, just challenge your thought process permanently and you, th- you believe that things are granted, you're, 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 out of, uh, you're out of the game very quickly. So mm-hmm. either both personally and, uh, and collectively as an organization. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And, uh, but I still feel like, I mean, you have, you have children, so you know what they're learning at school, but I feel like even, uh, at a more, you know, uh, junior level. And as, as kids, you know, you need to really think about a new system to teach them, uh, this, uh, this resilience, as you said, um, and, uh, it's going to be a big challenge, I think as well in the future. Um, I wanted to kind of close the conversation because we're, we're close to the, to the end of this podcast about, I want to talk about the, um, you know, you as a, as a CEO, you have like a lot of responsibilities. It's, uh, it's not easy. You know, uh, sometimes you have things that work, things that work out, they don't, don't work out most of the time. Uh, what would you say to someone who is kind of in this path of, uh, you know, uh, managing a company, your guys are growing really fast. Um, you know, what would you say to them? Um, if they want to be great, if they want to succeed, like what, what would you tell them?
1: Wow. Uh, tough question. <laughs> uh, I'd, yeah. say, I'd say that being an entrepreneur is first and foremost about considering risk as opportunities. It's about seeing possibilities when others see obstacles. So it's, a, it's about the mindset, uh, long story short. So you, you have to understand that you'll be dealing every day with challenges to face So you'd better be resilient. We just talked about it. I think resilience is is very key. And the second thing, you should be surrounding yourself. I mean, being alone is not the solution, definitely not. So I have the chance to have co-founders, but I also have uh, board members that are, for example, critical to get the necessary clarity if you want to to act upon all those challenges that that I face. So, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a question of mindset and it's also having the uh, the humility to understand that you are actually not that alone and you need to, uh, in the end, you'll make the decision and you'll take the final cut, but you have people around you and this is something I learned from uh, one of my uh, main mentors uh, who's been instrumental in my career. You have to show yourself vulnerable as well. so this image of being a CEO that knows it all uh, that can always look uh, strong and so on. Yeah. That's what we're all going to strive to be doing. But ultimately if you want people to also respect you and finally also give you their trust, you need to be, uh, you need to, to speak the truth and be true to yourself and to themselves as well. So show your weaknesses Uh, that's also something that's, uh, that's important. Share your doubt because the doubt it's something you're going to have a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think those who do not doubt are just foolish. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a mindset. I have a rule that's the 24 hours rule, which means when you have like a really shitty day that you have something hard that happens to you, to your business, you lose a client, uh, you have a resignation of someone that you really care about, or things as such. You give yourself, you 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 grant yourself the possibility of having twenty four hours down, where you're gonna be a a bit moaning and and, and so on. Uh, ideally at distance because you don't want to contaminate the people that surround you. But after those twenty four hours, you kick your ass. I mean, you just make it happen and you move on to something. I mean
0: is that mindset thing I love this I love the 24 hour rule I am going to I think I'm going to I'm going to steal it <laughs> it's uh it's very good to yeah definitely to just take the time and uh definitely agree about the mindset and uh. and uh because it's there's so much doubt I mean it's uh it's not easy uh and most of the time you're just failing constantly and uh, uh and sometimes, sometimes yeah sometimes <laughs> something good happens and you need yeah. to work through all those failures to get something right, uh, and I agree definitely with the authenticity and being genuine with people and uh, and with yourself as well, because um, it's so difficult that you cannot succeed alone, and you cannot keep people with you and trust, you know, have people trust you and uh, kind of uh, build a community around you if if you're not authentic and if you're uh, if you're trying to build this uh, this image. But uh, uh, I, I definitely get it, and uh, actually, it's. Uh, it's something that uh, is really important, especially when you're young uh, because you don't have, there's so many young entrepreneurs uh, these days. It's becoming a very popular, you know, career choice. And it's not always, um, uh, you know, the, the mood and the, the way people think. It's more like, oh, I need to be successful. I need to show as, a, you know, my success. I need to make it happen quick. Uh, that's that's what I've seen, you know, by working and then, meeting entrepreneurs, especially younger ones, they don't usually have this, uh, this, you know, this self-awareness and this, uh, you know, just taking, uh, basically a step back and, uh, and yeah, just you know, surrendering yourself. I love when you say that, uh, you said that earlier. Uh, so yeah, thanks a lot for the, for the insights. Uh, we have a few minutes left and I just wanted to um you know talk about the whole um, concept of of happiness at work uh it it kind of it kind of you know uh it's a topic that has a lot of different meanings and uh um, i wanted i wanted to take your you have your take on this like what do you think about happiness at work is it something that you believe in is it something you're implementing currently in your company in some form Uh, what can you tell me about this
1: uh well Happiness is a big word, but yeah, I think, I mean, if we call it happiness, uh, it's a factor that has, I mean, it's, it has two intertwined factors. Let me put it that way. Uh, for me, there is no happiness without a strong alchemy within the team, number one. So you need to work hard on making sure that you set the right culture, the right tone of voice, uh, and the right framework for people to flourish within your within your company. And there's no alchemy or engagement if your individual and your collective actions don't yield results. So, if the team is just very well all together, but that there's no business results, it won't work. And if there's just business results, but that the team don't like each other, you won't. Make uh, things happen, neither. So, so I think it's uh it's that complexity and that right level of balance that you need to uh, to find. Uh, mm. But yeah, that's that's how I see. Uh, for, for me, the, the true happiness is when you have that uh, that perfect alchemy
0: between uh, between the two. So it happens a lot at uh, at the recruiting level, I think as well. If if I if I'm like taking your definition um and especially the first part about getting people you know that could like each other and work as a team well um i think it uh, they need to be on the same kind of uh uh, on the same vibe and actually like uh you know uh, do you think it were it it can work only if you recruit the right people or can you build that alchemy and build it uh in a certain way that even though people don't do not match from the get-go you can actually get them to like each other and, uh, and work together well and create this alchemy? You
1: know, uh, it's personal conviction, but I think ultimately you tend to work with people that share the same value as you do. It doesn't mean they are all clones. They're all gonna be different, but there is something core to that. For example, the notion of empathy, it's gonna be one characteristic and caring about people mm. that you can be a data scientist a developer a designer a salesperson or a marketing folk uh, at boosters mm-hmm. i can tell you this is the kind of uh, of common dna and pattern that we have after some are going to be very outgoing some other not mm-hmm. uh, some are going to be highly analytical some are going to be better in uh, presentation skills things like this but But ultimately, uh, I think those values will make the difference. So it doesn't mean that you're not going to be embarking people who ultimately don't have those values. Because I think if there's one thing where that's not uh, uh, an exact science, it's recruitment. But that person will very soon feel uh, unfit with the rest of the team. Mm. If everyone has a certain core value and that this other person doesn't and either that person will be rejected by the team or he will reject the team, but very quickly. And that's also why we have uh, a notification period, uh, mm. this trial period, uh, because you will sense it very quickly. But uh, ultimately that's also why during the recruitment process, you need to make sure that a recruitment process is a, it's a two way process. So you choose as much the person that the person chooses you uh, as a company. And so you need to give yourself all the uh, possibilities to uh, perfectly assess the candidate, but you need to give also to the candidate the opportunity to assess as much as possible what he's going to get and what it looks like to be within your company. And so exposing that person to the highest number of, uh, of team members for example is something uh, is something critical i think mm-hmm.
0: to see if there's reciprocal fit uh, yeah.
1: as well and get some some different
0: feeling. so you you can uh, you can teach skills but you cannot like teach values or change someone's values that's what that's what you're saying it's, it's a, I think it's a good summary okay all right <laughs> let's uh, let's probably stop there um let's wrap up and uh, i want to thank you so much uh, vincent for taking the time uh, it it's was a pleasure, uh, really, yeah, it was really insightful, and uh, I loved I uh, loved chatting with you about all these topics. So, thanks again.